Okay, ladies and gents, welcome back. Um, we have Lance Clausen with us. He's our, our next speaker. He's the MD of the Untold Media, and he's going to be talking to us about digitization and how that's impacted on radio, and as well as how we as a radio, as a business, need to change to accommodate uh, all of those changes. Hi, um, just a quick introduction about myself. Um, I come from the news background. I was head of news and talk for, at Kai FM for about nine years. Um, I finished my MBA dissertation on analog business, on the radio modeling in digital world, meaning that I looked at alternative business models for radio. Uh, and uh, what's going to happen is, through this presentation is that I'm going to scare you a bit and then we're going to come up with a few solutions to how to adapt to the digital world. So, um, for the young people in the room, this is an old-style radio. There's a cassette player. Um, for the older people in the room, you know that you used to have a pencil that was integral to this. <laughs> because when the, it used to spool over, you used to turn, they have to turn the, uh, the cassette deck. This is something coming uh, increasingly from the past. Because we've moved on to this thing, the Internet of Things. We've heard it all morning. People have spoken about it. We talked about an integrated, connected life. We're going to be hooked up, plugged up, and, um, and, uh, and plugged into everything and everything around us. Uh, for many of us, this is something in the future. And uh, the scary thing is, is actually it's not. Because we are so used to doing this. The old style way of doing business. This is effectively what we're doing. We sell some cookies, we give some people some money, and then, they, and then we walk off with our product. Those days are becoming increasingly rare because of what a company called Amazon is doing. Amazon, out of all the digital players, they, pro they have, the, have the clearest thoughts of where they want to go. The reason being that uh, Jeff Bezos puts the user in the center of the process and build this product out. It's a design-centered approach. It's not, I'm coming with a product and I'm shoving it down your throat. Even in the Amazon boardroom, when they have board meetings, they have a, an empty chair. The empty chair is for the user. So even when you go onto Amazon and you've bought a book, they give you recommendations. So what Amazon has done is this. They've gone to this thing called Amazon Go. So they've taken their user-driven information, they've taken their values, and they've focused on, effectively, if, it, if they were here, they would be focusing their target on a company like Woolworths. So this is what they've come up with. And this is real, eh? This is happening now. This, they opened this store last year. So oh, they've gone backwards. Let me go back. Four years ago, we started to wonder, what would shopping look like if you could walk into a store, grab what you want, and just go? What if we could weave the most advanced machine learning, computer vision, and AI into the very fabric of a store so you never have to wait in line? No lines, no checkouts, no registers. Welcome to Amazon Go. Use the Amazon Go app to enter. Then put away your phone, and start shopping. It's really that simple. Take whatever you like. Anything you pick up is automatically added to your virtual cart. 
If you change your mind about that cupcake, just put it back. Our technology will update your virtual cart automatically. So, how does it work? We used computer vision, deep learning algorithms, and sensor fusion, much like you'd find in self-driving cars. We call it Just Walk Out Technology. Once you've got everything you want, you can just go. When you leave, our Just Walk Out technology adds up your virtual cart and charges your Amazon account. Your receipt is sent straight to the app, and you can keep going. Amazon Go. No lines, no checkout. No, seriously. So essentially, a storm is chasing our industry. Imagine if a company like Amazon decided they're going to go after radio. That's a scary thought, eh? Because we're not even ready for it. We can't compete with this. We're not even close to compete with this. So, if this was a check, if this was a game of chess, we'd be in check. We wouldn't be in mate yet, but we are under threat. And if you know chess tactics, there's a, a tactic called the cannon where you leave your queen at the back, where it's out of, uh, it doesn't seem to be a threat for your um, opponent, and then you move all your pieces together, and then you, hit the, the, you put your queen right next to the king of the opposing player, the king of the opposing player, and it's checkmate. And that's what they're doing now. The tech companies are moving us around the board and win because we're not players. So, the, our audiences are moving from digital, I'm going to tell you a few things that you already know, uh, to digital and mobile in particular. So we have to be a player in the mobile space. Um, revenue on our traditional platforms is shrinking. Anybody over here um, who works in radio sales will tell you, the, uh, your, your clients are coming to you and they're telling you, we want uh, ROI, we want to see it. They, they're putting the squeeze on all the, all the uh, traditional forms of, of, of revenue. Alternative income streams are limited. So what radio stations have done is that, okay, we're not making money on, 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 on ad spots or, or as much anymore. Let's go to events. But there are only 365 days a year. And that means it just limits the amount of events that you can have. So what happens next? Um, when you try to align your organization to be digital first, you're going to get all sorts of resistance inside. Because people are... are are resisting this because it's a change and people don't like the change. And then we go to our modeling. The first generation of, uh, generation of digital strategies have failed. We have all taken our content, we've thrown it online, we hoped that the advertising will follow, we've got great audiences, and it just hasn't happened. It just hasn't happened. Anybody has put ROI, expecting ROI on your web page to bring you money, it hasn't happened. It hasn't happened for us, it hasn't happened for print, it hasn't happened anyway. So it shows that the modeling is wrong. The investment that we've put in hasn't come back. That's what I'm talking about. There's no audience to revenue congruency. And then once again, we have a silo mentality inside the organizations that's saying that 
my job is to sell airtime. So you go to the salesperson, and they're not even going to put effort into the web page, that banner ad that we have on our web page, because they're not going to get money out of it. Their commission is linked to their product, to, to the to the um, to the to the to their drive time ads that they're going to make money off. So we've got problems. So. What do we know about our audience then? So we send our audience online. We use, and we're going to use social media as partners online, right? We said we're going to do that. We're going to use that. We're going to play around. We're going we're to be active in the social media space. But are they really our friends? Are they really our friends? What does Facebook know about our audience? Um, when I was at Kai FM, we put together a show called uh, Home with Mapa Seca. Mapa Seca's show, it's an evening show. It's got great, it gets, I'm very proud of the work that we did on air. It's, it's, because it, makes, it talks about the domestic life of South Africans and transforming your domestic life. Uh, social media-wise, it's been a great success. 100,000 likes on a Facebook page. 100,000 for an evening show. That's great. But what does Mapa Seca or, the, or any radio station know about that audience? We know nothing. What do we know about our audience right now? Who's listening to us right now? We don't know. What does Facebook know about them? Everything. They've taken our content and our users' information to target them with ads, and all we got is a banner ad on our, on our homepage. How's that going to work out for us? How can we compete with that? So... Uh, and so that, that's what I was saying, and they're saying this is a symbiotic relationship. It's not a symbiotic relationship, it's a parasitic relationship. They are taking, taking, so if this was a symbiotic relationship, we'll be getting some of that data or some of that ad revenue. We're getting nothing from them. So we have to be in a social media world. We have to be it. We have to be players on, social, on, social, on, on Facebook and Twitter and all of these places. But it has to be a better relationship. I feel like Donald Trump saying that we need a better deal. You know, we can make radio great again. Because that's the kind of, of, of relationship that we enter. We have a bad deal with social media. Why? So what do we have? We have an analog model on a digital platform. Meaning that we've taken our analog model where we sell space between the content and we put it onto a digital platform. It's not a digital model. It's not. We are in the wrong business. We just made latent in the wrong business. We thought we, because, so what is our business? We thought we were in the content business. We thought we were. We still have uh, radio producers produ uh, producing content. We have um, presenters giving uh, links to the shows. We have uh, uh, music pro compilers compiling music. We have journalists putting news bulletins together. That is still part of what we do. But we're not, we shouldn't be in the content business anymore. We should be much more than that. So we thought we were in the data analytics business. Um, Roberto's here from Colony. They do great work. Great work. So we're going to study our audience. We're going to do what Facebook does. We're going to search down and we're going to go and, and spy on our, on our users. But we're not actually, because it's not fully integrated. The, when you bring the technology into the organization, it's not the organization, it's not the technology that's the problem. 
So we're actually in the relationship and connections business. So every radio station says, no, we have a great relationship with our, with our, with our listeners. We love them. They love us. We feel them. We see them at events. They speak to us on Twitter and Facebook. They call into our shows, but who are they? Who are they? So the modeling is wrong. So how can we have an audience that we don't know? And we don't know intimately. So after I've finished my, my MBA and I've written this stuff on, I still kept in touch. I still, this is still a passion of mine. I apologize for my passion because this is, I feel very strongly about this. Um, and, I, and I make no excuses for it. So then this guy came up with a book. This guy is Bharat Anand. He's a Harvard business professor. He looks specifically, take this book, get this book. If you're serious about media, you get this book. It's the most important book that has been written in the last 15 to 20 years, specifically when coming to digital, in, when coming to digital strategy on media. It's called The Content Trap. Um, and he researched primarily the newspapers. So the newspapers went uh, around the world and they did the same bullshit and crap that we did in throwing our content onto the web page and hoping for the best. And then he looked and saying, what are the what's the modeling that actually worked for newspapers? So there are a couple of newspapers, groups that have done their work. So the New York Times is the obvious target, but it's the New York Times. It's an international paper of record. They put up a paywall, people paid, and then they tried to do it. We try to do pay, let's say if the Star or the Argus or the Mercury or Business Day try to do the same thing, we don't get the same results. Why? Because it's not the New York Times. So about five papers of record can, around the world can do this. So the papers of record are the New York Times, the Financial Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Economist, and if the Guardian wanted to do so, they could do it. They could put up a paywall. So the paywall is not working for local markets. So he went and, and, and looked at two specific uh, media houses. One media house is called the Shepstead Media House. They're based in Norway, and they gave, didn't give up what every other newspaper house around the world, they didn't give up classifieds. Then they also realigned the organizations and the media inside. So now we have, what we have at Shepstead, at Shepstead is that the journalist, the data analyst, and the coder sits next to one another. They're all in the same room. They're not working in silos. They're not uh, pushing themselves out into corners. So what does that mean? It means that when the journalist writes a story on that volcano that grounded all those flights in Europe all those years ago, um, the data analyst said, hey, we're getting traction on this story. Uh, the story. Uh, the the uh, community organizer saying, hey, we're getting messages on people looking for lifts between München and Oslo and... Copenhagen and uh, Amsterdam, the, they made a decision quickly and they got the coder to write code for an app to make people make those connections. That is the agility of the news newsroom. It's not about churning out more churn or churning out more content. It's about putting your user at the center and adapting your product for it. Then, specifically for the Deseret Times in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, Deseret Times is like, almost like Bloemfontein. It's, Fairly, you know, Salt Lake City, Utah is known for being the, um, the home of uh, Mormonism. Church of Latter-day Saints has its capital over there. And 
the Deseret Times got a new editor who came from, who actually worked with these guys, um, Clay Christensen that's coming up next. And, and he worked, and they worked with these guys. And what they decided was that we are not going to be churn. So if you go to any newspaper webpage now, you go, you go online, you see ENCA, uh, Eyewitness News, IOL, they all have the same news. And they're all chasing the same thing. So what effectively, you're chasing stuff. You're churning out content. The Deseret Times said, no, we're not going to do that. We will concentrate on the news of the day, but our speciality is going to be the needs of our users. So what's the needs of the users? This, it's family life, it's issues of poverty and wealth inequality, and it's faith. So they have their journalists, right, their specialist journalists, right into those issues that are pertinent to those users. So once they've had that, they, the KPIs are actually linked to, uh, to, to their stories, how much traction it gets online, is it shared or not. So it's not just churn. Um, so that's part of their KPIs. Inside they have an internal qualitative process that's taken place as well, meaning that um, once the internal qualitative, that the journalists get together, they read the copy of their fellow journalists and say, is this good enough? The journalists hated all of this. But they came along because it worked out for them. So, and, but above all what Bharatan Anand writes, he says, we have to have connections. We're not about content. We have to have connections with our audience. That's what we have to do. The fundamental uh, uh, focus of our business modeling have to be connections. How do we build real depth connections and how do they make connections between each other? So that's what the modeling is. It's still not complete because it's still a work in progress. So let's go to what can work. So this guy. Now he looks like a what? Business professor, yeah? Yes, he is a business professor, Mormon, also from Harvard Business School. This is Clay Christensen. He has been quoted all week, and you don't know that you've been quoting him. He's the guy that came up with disruptive innovation theory. Came up with it 20 years ago. He looks at organizations that have been dis uh, and, and industries that have been disrupted, and he comes up with modeling. He's since progressed onto uh, other, uh, other work, but let me show you what he has done. He's come up with this thing called jobs theory. This, um, I'm going to show you a bit of a video, and it's going to make you think, okay? He did this. Anna, let me just show you the video. It's just better. It'll just make me shut up. You can do it. Hi, my name's Clay Christensen. I'm a professor at the Harvard Business School. I brought with me a set of puzzles, all related to innovation. We decided that the way we teach marketing is at the core of what makes motivation difficult to achieve. The most helpful way we've thought of it so far is that we actually hire products to do things for us. And understanding what job we have to do in our lives for which we would hire a product is really the key to cracking this problem of motivating customers to buy what we're offering. 
So I wanted just to tell you a story about a project we did for one of the big fast food restaurants. They were trying to goose up the sales of their milkshakes. They had just studied this problem up the gazoo. They brought in customers who fit the profile of the quintessential milkshake consumer. And they'd give them samples and ask, could you tell us how we can improve our milkshakes so you'd buy more of them? Do you want it chocolatey or cheaper, chunky or chewier? they get very clear feedback. They would then improve the milkshake on those dimensions and it had no impact on sales or profits whatsoever. So one of our colleagues went in with a different question on his mind and that was, I wonder what job arises in people's lives that cause them to come to this restaurant to hire a milkshake. So we stood in a restaurant for 18 hours one day and just took very careful data what time did they buy these milkshakes? What were they wearing? Were they alone? Did they buy other food with it? Did they eat it in the restaurant or drive off with it? It turned out that nearly half of the milkshakes were sold before 8 o'clock in the morning. The people who bought them were always alone. It was the only thing they bought and they all got in the car and drove off with it. So to figure out what job they were trying to hire it to do, we came back the next day and stood outside the restaurant so we could confront these folks as they left milkshake in hand. And in language that they could understand, we essentially asked, excuse me please, but I gotta sort this puzzle out. What job were you trying to do for yourself that caused you to come here and hire that milkshake? And they'd struggle to answer, so we'd then help them by asking other questions like, well think about the last time you were in the same situation needing to get the same job done, but you didn't come here to hire a milkshake, what did you hire? And then as we put all of their answers together, it became clear that they all had the same job to do in the morning, and that is they had a long and boring drive to work. And they just needed something to do while they drove to keep the commute interesting. One hand had to be on the wheel, but somebody had given them another hand and there wasn't anything in it. And they just needed something to do while they drove. They weren't hungry yet, but they knew they'd be hungry by 10 o'clock, so they also wanted something that would just pull down there and stay for their morning. Good question. What do I hire when I do this job? You know, I've never framed the question that way before, but last Friday I hired a banana to do the job. Take my word for it, never hire bananas. They're gone in three minutes, you're hungry by 7.30. If you promise not to tell my wife, I probably hire donuts twice a week, but they don't do it well either. They're gone fast, they crumb all over my clothes, they get my fingers gooey. Sometimes I hire bagels, but as you know, they're so dry and tasteless. Then I have to steer the car with my knees while I'm putting jam on them, and then if the phone rings, we got a crisis. I remember I hired a Snickers bar once, but ah, I felt so guilty I've never hired Snickers again. Now, let me tell you, when I come here and hire this milkshake, it is so viscous that it easily takes me 20 minutes to suck it up that thin little straw. Who cares what the ingredients are? I don't. All I know is I'm full all morning and it fits right here in my cup holder. Well, it turns out that the milkshake does the job better than any of the comp competitors, which in the customers' minds are not Burger King milkshakes, but it's bananas, donuts, bagels, Snickers bars, coffee, and so on. But I hope you can see how, if you understand the job, how to improve the product becomes just obvious. So I bet you'll be all thinking now, what's the job of radio, right? <laughs> hey, what's our job? 
think about it, that, you did that, you did that research for McDonald's. McDonald's didn't know why people were buying their milkshakes. McDonald's didn't know the job that they were performing in the life of the audience, of the, of the user. And that's a company that throws billions into research. And what do we know about what's the role of us in, our, in, the, in, the, in the life of the user? You know, so we have to think about that. So we have to think about that, but we actually have to ask them. Um, we have to build our entire product around them. So when coming to our business modeling, we mustn't think of the technology of what at the end point. We have to th ask what our, our fundamental role is within their lives. That's more important. And then the technology is an enabler for that, uh, for that, that role. It's not, the end, it's not the end of the prize. Our decisions have to be about the listener. All our decisions have to be lined up and we're going to say, how do we be a bit, do a better job in the listener's life? And so we have to ask us, and that's what comes to the, the value making of these decisions. The values, that we, when we talk about company values, they normally talk about ethics. They point out to this big board of, uh, we are going to be the number one kindest, bestest organization in the world. That's the ethics. Values comes through in your making of decisions. Um, if you're going to go to one client before the other, if you're going to put that piece of content on the radio before another piece of content, it's a value-based decision. So in this process, the listener, we must not exploit the listener because the, the, the real commodity is the relationship with the listener. It's not the content that we churn out. We have to commodify that relationship. And in, in commodifying that relationship, we have to put that, the relationship at center, at core, at everything that's re revolving around this, the, the, the organization. The listener cannot be exploited. The listener cannot be compromised. Exploited and compromised are two different things. Exploited means that we're going to give you a piece of, of crap product and we said it's okay. Compromise is when we compromise your data, when we take your personal data, when you take your information and then we compromise it. We cannot do that. All processes have to be based on the relationship. Everything, everything. Every contact, every meeting, everything has to be built about building relationships. Because we have to be more than just um, radio in many ways. So what do we need? We need to identify the job that we're there. So we can only do it through interactions. We have to build the relationship, and we have to do it through a mobile device. The, the, the mobile device becomes a complementary service to the on-air product. If we're not mobile, we're not in their lives, and we have to own that mobile device. So what next? Um, we have the technology. The technology is there. Um, you speak to uh, Roberta from Colony, um, Tanya from uh, Opinion, um, uh, the guys from Cognition Holdings, they've got a, a my, an app called My Bubble that allows them to enter into relationship. Every one of us, every radio station is aiming for an app, but the app only looks one way. The app is a, seen as a mini viewpoint in, uh, a mini viewpoint into a web page, not into the life of the listener. The app is only the app is not the app is a conne your connection to your listener, and that's what we should be looking out for. So we have the analytics, we got the tools, we can research audiences as bet as, as well as 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 as, uh, as Facebook and Twitter and Google. We don't have aligned organisations. 
We bring the technology in and the aligned organization is not there because we're still working about content. We're not working about relationship. We're still trying to sell the wrong thing. So we need to build our own digital platform. That's no doubt about it. Because otherwise we're going to be the bridesmaid, the third cousin, the afterthought to the social, to digital media. If we don't own it and we don't invest in it and we don't invest in the right thing, uh, it's going to eat us up. Social media is a pointer to our platform. It's not the end point, it's not the destination. Our content should not rest there primarily. It's a pointer, we have to point towards it. Um, we, must, we must be better than social media. We must offer value for every exchange. So let's say if this was a radio app, the app would be revolving around, about, around me, Lance, as a person. I like Beyonce. So that means they will tell me when Beyonce is playing. I do not like Rihanna. Don't tell me when Rihanna is playing. Um, I like uh, Eusebius' show, but I don't like Bongani's show. They will tell me when Eusebius' show is what's on air. And then how do we commercialize that? Well, you ask your listener, listener, good friend of ours, do you want lower life insurance? Yes. We put, the con we put you in direct contact with our advertiser, and that's how we build the relationship. Because we've vetted the advertiser. We, show the, we make sure that all, everything that, that we get on our platform, our listener gets at value and at a discount. That's why we beat social media. We give them what they can't give us. Um, it must become an insight into the life of the listener. It must be useful. There must be something that they get out of it all the time. We are, and that's what we have to align the organization for. Um, we can do creative programming. Um, a listener never has to phone into the radio station again. If you've been a, listen, a, a, a radio competition, we say, don't worry. We, you don't have to phone the lottery of somebody phoning in. We'll phone you because we've got your number. Why not? We have to be so much better than social media. We have to operate it in the spaces that they can't operate. If this was art of war, that's what we're doing. We have to be where they cannot be. We have to be a, physical, a, a, a face, a relationship uh, in, that, in, that, in, that, in, that, in that interaction. And so, what do we do? How do we do this? So it's now, I've given you the theory. I've given you... I've scared you, I've given you a theory of what we're supposed to do. So how do we actually do it? One, do a pilot. Don't throw all the money in. Put a little money in, into a platform. Two, use Agile project management. Um, I, don't th I don't know if you're familiar with Agile. Agile works like this. It came from software developers. It doesn't mean so when they said they were going to build this pen, the pen would have been ready the, uh, by the 10th of May. They have to work backwards, put a Gantt chart together, and then the pen was ready on the 10th of May. Everybody has to do that kind of thing. We're not in that space. Agile allows it, you introduce a product, you test the product, you get the feedback back from, from, the list, from your audience, you're testing the product, and then you change the product, and then you reintroduce the product. So it's adapting to the needs of the listener. Uh, the listener is part of the development. So, it's about learning. It's not about making money. Somebody has to tell the shareholders that are keep putting the squeeze on us as an organization, take a bloody holiday. Take a holiday. 
This is about a learning process. We don't know where we're going, and this is the process that we're going to have to take there. And it changes workplace culture. It means that the data analytics person, the content editor, the journalist, they're all sitting in the same room, and they're actually working towards something better. When you put an agile project management team together, it's a cross-purpose team of multidisciplinary, multidisciplinary cross-purpose team, and that's what you can be doing. So what's in it for the client? Hmm? We'll, we'll get to make money. Even the SABC is under squeeze to make money. So they get, we charge a premium for advertisers for entering into the relationship with the user. They are coming, we know this person, so if, we give, if you come into that relationship, you must pay a premium for it. And you, the ROI, it's much better. Meaning that if we send out messages to 5,000 of our listeners, 100 come back, we can tell you that 100 came back and 100 people are interested in your product. But there's also risk. There's risk in terms of reputation and legislation. Um, when you go into this kind of space where you hold people's information, the popular legislation is very, very severe on being compromised. So that's, that's a severe risk that's taking place. There's also terms of reputation. If an advertiser does something stupid, your, your, the, your, your relationship is with your listener is at, at risk. We don't want that. We don't want to put your relationship because that's your commodity. Your content and your analysis is appointed to your commodity. That's the relationship. So let's recap. Content and analytics are tools to building a relationship. Uh, find your job in the life of the listener. You have to find your job. We have to find that, and each organization has, to, has a different job in the life of the listener. Uh, align the company values and processes to the job. These are things before you even plug in and bring in Colony or My Bubble or Opinion or any of our app. These are things that it should be happening. It's our problem as an organization and as an institute and as an industry that has been the problem. It's not the technology. Go and blame social media for doing their jobs. Implement the strategy that makes sense to the people that have to implement it. Sometimes you bring in these things and the people that have to implement it resist it. It's called hidden transcripting. You know, if you can't resist openly, you resist silently. You come late for a meeting, you do all the kind of things. <laughs> so that's what happens. Is that the people that have to implement have to buy into it and, so, and, and it has to be uh, evolved in that process. And will this work? Don't know. I put this whole thing together and I don't know if it can work because that's the future. We don't know, but this is at least a better route than what we have now. We're, now we're a ship at sea looking for a port without a compass, without a map. This is at least a compass and a map. At least it gives us some direction to go into, some place we can end up in. So now I can take questions. I, I love robust. I love people challenging me. I love people telling me I'm wrong because then I learn more. Um, that's my name and that's my contact details. Thank you, Lance. Um, okay, we only have about five minutes for questions, so we'll have to try and keep them short. Um, does anyone have anything they want to ask? Over there. Hi, Lance. Uh, great talk. Um, how should we get uh, information about our audiences without uh, the use of uh, Facebook or any social media platforms. This is in terms of uh, on-air on content and getting user engagement. So uh, ideally you should have your own app and you ask your listeners. Um, 
The guys at, 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 at Cognition Old Things with their product MyBubble have a blockchain method, meaning that uh, you ask people for information and then we align you for that information. That com you ask people as individuals. We've got, as you can see, all the presentations that went before me. The AI is there. The data analysis is there. It's just that we have to put it into action and we have to align our organizations for that. Another question? Yeah. Right, you got yeah. another one? Yeah, go. Go for it. <laughs> Get the mic so it's on podcast. Cool. Um, just um, in terms of a follow-up to that, in terms of on-air content, mm. what should we be doing? And am I allowed a second one? Yeah, go ahead. Cool. Mm. And then um, certain news outlets have uh, different audience uh, demographics. You mentioned the likes of Eyewitness News and uh, ENC. Obviously, they have old people following them, young people, male, mm. female, so on and so forth. Um, are you perhaps saying that uh, journalism is less user-based content? Could you just speak a bit more towards that, please? Um. Let me start with the second one first. The, 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 the news guys are just churning stuff out. They're not doing anything different. The people who have done different have been more successful. Um, and it's been people like the Daily Maverick have gone more substantive instead of, because they're not beating to the punch. We have to ask ourselves, what do our listeners or our audiences need rather than what, we, what are we giving them? A good example would be, um, uh, the young lady from Kaya earlier talked about fake news. So if fake news is the problem, if uh, innuendo, not innuendo, if conspiracy theories and crap that's on the internet is a problem for, for, for uh, traditional media, why can't they just set aside people to say, I found this on WhatsApp or Facebook, is it true or not? Work to the needs of your user. Tell me what's true. So the problem is that they've taken a newspaper model and just slapped it on and they have hoped that it would be okay, but it's not okay. So your second, your first question again, your, before that? Um, how do we get information about uh, our on air? On air. Um, we, we have to ask them. So we have your app, you ask them, do you like? What do you want? So, so, and you do this over a period of months. So you don't do this as a once-off because what I like today is not what I like tomorrow. Um, so... It's an incremental learning system through AI, through AI that has to be put into place. Alrighty, that's all we have time for, I'm afraid. Lance, thank you very Thanks, much. Sir. Please do continue the conversation online. All our social media handles are all around you. So if you've got any questions to ask, we'll answer them online. Thank you, Lance. Thanks.